Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. You are listening to the Arash Markazi Show on a new generation of radio. The all new and mightier 1090 AM. Good afternoon on a beautiful Thursday and welcome to the Arash Markazi Show on the Mighty Air 1090 in Southern California and 98.5 The Fan in Las Vegas. I am joined as always by producer Hey Wiley, Armani Buckets. How are you guys? You know, Arash, I love how you automatically, and th- this is just who you are as a person and it's beautiful, say that it's beautiful outside. You remind me of my mom when it is rainy and crappy outside and it's just been pouring like a dumpster fire for the last two days. But I just, I still love the fact that you always say that it's beautiful uh beautiful thursday um so it just always makes me feel better that it is still beautiful (laughs) how do people on the east coast enjoy this because this is miserable to me this is like (laughs) i don't know how people live under these conditions this is just insane yeah but here's the thing we needed the rain right and so it's not the worst thing in the world every now and again to have rain although it was pretty it was coming down pretty hard and strong last night i think it will continue today but listen it's a beautiful day because it's almost the new year it's also a beautiful day because this is the time of year where it's a thursday right and you wake up at 8 30 in the morning and there's college football there is college football bowl games going on at 8 30 in the morning um so listen, it's a fun time of year. It doesn't always, uh, you know, have to uh, be a perfect day for it to be a beautiful day. And but by the way, today's bowl game that's about to conclude, which kicked off at eight thirty in the morning, the Duke's Mayo Bowl. It's between North Carolina and South Carolina, and the winning coach at some point shortly will not get a Gatorade bath. They will get a Duke's Mayo bath, which sounds, depending on where you stand on Mayo, sounds like the coolest or most disgusting thing in the world. I I actually do like mayonnaise. I think that is disgusting. I want mayo on a lot of things, not on my head. So that's not good. Yeah, no, I would be very anti this if I was a coach. I'd be like, I'd be grateful for the win, but not for that mayo um, lathering all that mayo bath that I'm probably about to receive. I don't know. Maybe I would like, I would probably like try to book it for the exit as quickly as possible so you wouldn't get all that mayo on you. Yeah, that, 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 that's not a great way to start your day. Um, yeah. But by the way, it's also a beautiful day because today is LeBron James's birthday. Happy birthday, LeBron James. LeBron James is turning th- 37 years old today. And I got to say, right now, at this point in his career, he is playing some of the best basketball of anyone in the league. You know, when you look, just look at what he's done the last th- th- uh, six games. Six games again. So last night he has 37 points, seven assists, 13 rebounds. Uh, just really quick, quickly give you the stat lines. 32 points, 11 assists, 11 rebounds. Had a triple-double in the win against Houston. 39 points, nine rebounds, seven assists. 36 points, nine rebounds, six assists. 34 points, seven rebounds, two assists. And then 31 points, 14 rebounds, six assists. So LeBron went on a tear over the last six games. And by the way, the Lakers are one in five in those games. I mean, it's really amazing and also depressing when you look at the run LeBron James has had, effectively trying to put the Lakers on his back, trying to get them in a position where, you know, they they can contend. Um, 
But, but Armani, I mean, again, no shock that they lost to Memphis. They actually, uh, the Grizzlies did not cover. That was a close game at the very end. The Lakers did have a chance to tie it. Um, once again, just I, I don't know what kind of an offense that they are running. It's just a terrible last possession there. Um, again, no surprise. John Morant having the kind of game that, that he had. Um but when you look at that stat line, again, over the last six games, like LeBron James effectively having almost a triple-double, almost, you know, over 30 points e- each night, and it's not good enough. And and so it's kind of depressing when you see LeBron doing what he's doing, and it goes to waste. Um, did anything you saw last night, again, going head-to-head with the Grizzlies, they almost won the game or at least could have tied it at the end, did it? Did, did you see it, a glimpse of hope f- f- for this team? This is uh, what we were discussing probably three weeks to a month ago is the fact that who would win in a best of seven if the Lakers and Grizzlies were completely healthy? Now, that's a hypothetical that probably we won't get to in the playoffs, but I really think that the Lakers, when fully healthy, are in still in that tier. That tier is not going to be good enough to win a championship, but they can compete with the Memphises, maybe even the Utahs of the world, probably the Denvers and the Dallases. But again, when it matters most, the Lakers had a 13 or 14 point lead for the majority of this game. They were controlling it. And then when it matters most, as you mentioned, Arash, the offense starts to sputter and it becomes LeBron and Russ trying to hero their way into a victory and the Grizzlies are a great testament of John Morant went down for about 14 games I think and they went like 10 and 3 in his absence so they show what it's like to have a team with role players that step up the Lakers it's like if it's not LeBron it's nobody and you want to feel bad for LeBron I do feel bad for LeBron and then you remember that he put the roster together. So who's, whose fault yeah. is it? I mean, it, it's his fault. I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, yeah. And, and Memphis also is so gritty. Like to your point, Armand, like they are so gritty. Like after, you know, e- even during the game, I believe that John Morant went down a little bit with um, re-aggravating that shoulder injury. And he, you can still see the grit. And then they, the rest of the team follows suit right? Like they all just rallied together and we're like, look, if he's playing hurt and we're not all hurt, we gotta, we gotta rally for this guy. And, you know, um, they, they built each other up as a team and they play, play like that. And that's just something that the Lakers, unfortunately right now, they're not, they're not there as far as that's concerned in my personal opinion. Um, yeah, LeBron James is great. And they also went small too, right? In the last two games, I believe yeah. they started small with LeBron at center. So, um, which not isn't necessarily a bad thing. It's just, maybe it just doesn't really work for them to try and go small. Uh, but yeah, I mean, he can't shoulder the load himself. This is just something that just, you know, there's only so much that LeBron can do. You know, and, and, and here's the thing. When, when you're struggling the way that they are and you're shorthanded the way that they are, you have to try new things. And again, they beat Houston um, and they really had a chance there at the very end to tie it up against Memphis, a healthy Memphis team. And by the way, kudos to them for having the uh, run that they did without John Morant. And we're finding out, and we've known this uh, since he got into the league, how good he is. 
th- that is a testament to that team that they found a way to not only you know keep their head above water, but to to win while their best player was not playing. And uh, you know, just to kind of transition off that because we've we've talked about this a ton, and buckets, you continue to bring this up. The Lakers at 17 and 19 are still in that seven seed. Um, you know, so I when I look at these projections, I, I don't see the Lakers not finding a way to make the playoffs or at least be in that play-in tournament. And, and the fact of the matter is they're going to get somewhat better when, like, Anthony Davis comes back and they get uh, some health. But the kind of... The other uh, big uh, game last night, Clippers at the Boston Celtics. Again, the Celtics were favored by six in this game. The number of players out for the Clippers right now, it's it's just uh, incredible when you look at Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, Reggie Jackson, and, and for them to go into Boston, and I'm not saying that the Celtics are a contending team, but still, I mean, for them to go in there 91 to 82, they controlled the game. From the, the opening tip, um, they're in that position where, again, I thought that their playoff hopes were kind of shot You know, when they lost Paul George. I really, truly believed that for them to find a way to be in the postseason, they had to be healthy. Again, you're, you're, you're playing this season without Kawhi. You're going to be without Paul George for the next month. But they found a way to win. And, and again, a balanced attack. Luke Kennard, Terrence Mann, uh, Eric Bledsoe, Morris. Uh, just, just they, they that was the kind of performance that they needed. So buckets with the Clippers. I mean, I, I really think that they have a chance here. And again, I think the ceiling for all the teams that are are trying to make it into the postseason. It's right now that number five seed. I do think the top four are kind of locked in. You got the Warriors, the Suns, the Jazz, and now the Grizzlies are kind of putting themselves in position to be that number four seed. The five is up for grabs, and the Clippers are right there. The Clippers, they have an identity. It's when Paul George is out, they are going to compete on the defensive end, and they're going to try to win games that way. And it's refreshing to see because this team could very easily decide that, you know, no Kawhi, no Paul George, no Reggie Jackson. That's their top three weapons offensively. And then they're missing other guys too, as everybody else is. And it's just that they refuse to back into a corner and be the 10th, 11th, 12th seed. They really want to, this is why I believe in them in the long run, because they don't, they're not taking this season lightly. They they still want to compete this season. They still believe that they can. They have one of the best coaches in the NBA that will always put them in positions to win games in Tai Lu. And this team is, in my opinion, you Look at the starting lineup from yesterday. Marcus Morris, uh, Zubats, Terrence Mann, Luke Kennard, Eric Bledsoe. And then imagine adding Reggie Jackson, Paul George, and Kawhi Leonard to that lineup. That, to me, is a title contender. Now, what, will they be healthy when it matters? I don't know. I don't think any of us know what's going to happen with Kawhi. But on paper, that eight-man rotation, and then you add in a Sergi Baca and Isaiah Hartenstein, that's a title contender. Um, and it's something that it's very it's a testament to their to their grit that they can win these games while they're severely undermanned. Yeah, and they are stepping up. Talk about um, Morris Senior yeah. stepping up and what scoring tw- averaging twenty four points in the last three games. 
I mean, w- without those points, <laughs> you we're not even having this conversation, right? Without you know Luke Kennard stepping up, without you know uh, Bledsoe stepping up, like and having these clutch games, having these great performances, we don't even you know have this. We're not even having this talk. We're not even having this talk of them contending. So it's great. It's it, yes, it's crappy that we don't that there's no um, Reg, Reggie. There's no. Um, Paul George, there's definitely no Kawhi for at least this year. I think at least this year, if he comes back, hallelujah, you know, I will praise to to Jesus. Like I'll be so <laughs> great, I'll be ever so grateful. But you know, just having those two out, you know, I thought the season was over. I'm not going to lie. I thought like no Paul George, no content, like maybe contend for that playing spot, great, but not not um, as optimistic as you are, um, Armand, as far as their playoff uh, hopes are concerned, their championship contending hopes for sure are concerned. So um, I am pleasantly surprised with Mark, with uh, Morris Sr. and his performance. I hope they continue to play the way that they're playing. In all honesty, I kind of, the way that I saw them playing last night, I thought, you know what, this is how the Clippers should be playing. You know, this yeah. is how they should be playing all season long. This is they should be beating teams like the Celtics because let's get real, the Celtics aren't really having that great of a season. So I think that uh, I, I think that they should be playing like this, and these are the teams that they should be beating, just like the Lakers should have beat Houston. Just you know, so yeah. Uh, let's let's see as they as they progress, but they're still playing lights out to me. They're playing gritty. They're playing like a unit. And you're right, they have a definition, right? This team is defined by that defense and by being put in positions to win uh, by Ty Lue. So. I'm, I'm looking forward to the rest of the season to see what they do and hopefully keep that five spot. It really is amazing, you know, because when the Lakers eventually hired Frank Vogel, their top two candidates were Ty Lue and Monty Williams. And they, and they really lowballed both of the guys. Now, Monty was happy to get the, uh, you know, job he got and went to the uh, Suns. But the way that they lowballed Ty Lue and Buckets, you brought it up, you know, one of the best coaches in the league, and he never got enough credit for the job he did in Cleveland. And the one thing is having your team believe in the system, having the team believe in you and the identity of the team. And that's really important when you're down either 3-0 in a series, 3-1 in a series, uh, for example, like a year ago when they first, when they lose the first two games at home, it is really easy at that point in time to bail on the coach to bail on the system Ty Lue whether it was in Cleveland and now with the Clippers he's just a fantastic in-game coach he gets these guys to believe and it's really telling because when you look at the guys who are out for the Clippers and a bunch of people brought this up on social media if those guys on that uh, list of players who are gone for the Clippers Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, Jackson, you go down the list. I mean, that in and of itself is a playoff team. So for him to get these guys to believe in themselves, to play together, and again, be in position to be in that 4-5 seed matchup, which is a winnable series. Generally, that's a coin flip. And so, uh, you know, we'll see how the Frank Vogel thing plays out again. He won a championship. So no, no knock on Frank here. But you're seeing long-term, what it would have meant to this franchise, what it would have meant to the, for the Lakers to have Ty Lue as the coach. It's it's uh, not only a testament to how great Ty Lue is. Where my brain went actually last night with watching the Clippers beat the Celtics and then the Lakers lose a close game to Memphis, my brain went towards Frank Vogel because a few weeks ago, Frank Vogel is on the hot seat and everybody's talking about is he going to lose his job? 
And then a uh, underrated storyline of this last few weeks for the Lakers has been the fact that Frank Vogel has been in COVID protocols and we've gotten a glimpse of David Fisdale as the head coach <laughs> and the Lakers have not been winning games. I believe they're one yeah. and four, one and five with Fisdale as the head coach. So I'm really curious to see, obviously, again, we see the importance of Ty Lue and the Clippers coaching staff. Frank Vogel, now, is he is he still on the hot seat? How how are the <laughs> Laker fans going to react to this? Because things have not gotten better with his supposed replacement at the helm. That is such a fantastic point that you make because we just touched on it. With David Fisdale, and I forget exactly, but let's just say LeBron is on this amazing tear and the Lakers are one in five. And whether Fisdale was the coach for that entire rub, you know, let's just let's just say he's been the coach the past six games. Okay, so LeBron is having an amazing run of almost a triple double every night, almost 30 points, whatnot. LeBron's playing fantastic. The Lakers are one in five. And so I do believe, to your point, what, what this has enabled Frank Vogel to do, and we'll see if this plays out, unless they totally fall off the cliff here, I think he's going to finish out the season. Because yeah. I think that they've seen, they've gotten enough of a, a sample size with David Fisdale to be like, okay, like this isn't going to change anything. Uh, now, perhaps maybe if you go to that next step of firing a coach, uh, it's a little bit of a d- different situation, but we have gotten a glimpse here of what the Lakers are like with David Fisdale. And again, he has a history with LeBron James, was an assistant coach when they won those championships with the Heat. LeBron's playing well. The Lakers are one in five. So, you know, it, it, by the way, no one would get excited at this point. Well, let's just say Frank Vogel comes back and they give him a week and then they decide to part ways with him. No one at this point is excited about that coaching change. Why? Because we've already seen it play out. We've seen David Fisdale as the head coach of this team for the past six games. And while LeBron has been great, they're one and five. And so, yeah, I, I think the, the, the combination of Frank Vogel being the head coach of this team when they won the championship, combined with us getting a glimpse at David Fisdale as the head coach, I don't think that they pull the plug at at this point. We'll see. I mean, but he's Frank Vogel. Generally speaking, if you're a head coach of a team that that was one of the championship favorites, and you're below 500 at this point going into the first of the year, generally speaking, you're gone. I think he's been saved by a couple of things. Number one, they're not healthy, so I you know I think there's this feeling of well, shoot, like like let's wait till they're fully healthy. Number two, of course, they won a championship. And now this sort of like late kind of excuse perhaps is no one's going to be like, oh, finally David Fistel's the coach because, again, we've seen it. So, you know, I've, I have no idea what the Lakers are thinking. I, I do think when Frank Vogel comes back, he'll be safe. But I, I, I think if the Lakers miss the playoffs, and again, and I don't agree with this projection, but I bring it up only because it's not an opinion. I think when you have three – you know, independent projections, 538, basketball reference, ESPN, they're all projecting the Lakers to finish below 500 and not make the playoffs. Frank Vogel would certainly be gone at the end of the season. And then at that point, you know, you kind of go searching for a new head coach. But the West is so bad, and Armand, you've talked about it from the beginning of the season, that, again, if the Lakers finish the season 41-41, and they could be in the hunt for that number five seed. So forget 
making the playoffs as a play-in team. I think if they're a 500 team, they're in that conversation to be either in that 4-5 or five matchup with the Grizzlies, a winnable series, I think, if they're healthy, or even perhaps a better matchup, that 3-6 matchup with the, the Utah Jazz. Um but, you know, the, the one thing all the fans out there kind of agree on, they are out on Russell Westbrook. The problem is that contract is so bad, guys. I mean, there's nothing they should have never been do. in. I they should have never been in on Russell. I mean, from the get go. But, you know, the problem is there's really no easy trade up to make, uh, you know, it, it, the contract is so big, but there's no question that if they would have just stood packed, if they would have kept Kyle Kuzma, KCP, Montrez Harrell kept those guys together. This team would be in a better position than it is right now. Um, let's leave it there for now. Uh, we are going to talk about that uh, potential trade or a trade that the Lakers could possibly make when we come back uh, with uh, Nick Hamilton. So we'll talk about the Lakers and the Clippers and the Rams and the Chargers with our good friend Nick Hamilton when we come back right here on the Mightier 1090 in Southern California and the 98.5 The Fan in Las Vegas. We will be right back with the Arash Markazi Show. And you are listening to a new generation of radio. The all-new and mightier 1090 AM. You're listening to the Arash Markazi Show. On a new generation of radio, the all-new and mightier 1090 AM. When we come around. Welcome back to the Rosh Markazi Show on the mightier 1090 in Southern California and 98.5, the fan in Las Vegas. We are now joined by our good friend, as we are every Thursday, Nick Hamilton. Nick, how are you, my friend? Man, doing good, man. Trying to get my car situation together, but I'm all right. <laughs> awesome. Uh, Nick, we have a lot to get into. Again, uh, so much happening in the world of uh, sports here in Los Angeles. Let's start with the Lakers. Uh, it is LeBron James's birthday. He is 37 years old. He is having an amazing six-game stretch right now, averaging over 30 points a game. Darn near a triple-double every night, and despite that, the Lakers are 1-5 in in their last six games. Um, You know, just, I guess, two-part question. Your your, your thought on the way LeBron James is playing at this point in his career, year number 19, 37 years old. But the fact that this great run, these great performances are going for not right now. Well, you know, I think LeBron is playing absolutely fantastic when you look at what he's been able to accomplish over the course of 19 years. And even in his 19th year, as he, as you said earlier, you know, just him going on a stretch of damn near triple doubles, if not triple doubles. Um, so when you look at the overall impact of what LeBron James has meant to the Lakers, it's been absolutely fantastic. Now, if it were the Los Angeles LeBron, we'd be <laughs> in business. We'd be undefeated. But since it's the Lakers and you have people that actually – um, are not fully contributing as much as he is, that's where the problem lies. And so trying to get other guys involved, trying to get guys on the right page. And then, you know, again, as much as we praise LeBron James for what he has accomplished on the court, we also have to give criticism to what he's been able to uh, not accomplish off the court, meaning the team that he wanted to assemble, the team that he went to upper management with and pretty much kicked and screamed 
to make sure he got a Russell Westbrook, to make sure he got a Carmelo Anthony and guys like that instead of getting the better players and allowing upper management to be upper management and say, no, we should have got DeMar DeRozan or Buddy Heald or some other shooters to surround him with. Um, so that way, uh, when you have Anthony Davis going down as we, as he normally goes down each and every year, unfortunately, you'll have somebody that can actually pick up the slack um, and be able to be a benefit instead of a liability. I think the majority of Laker fans out there, Nick, have joined you and have joined Jihei. You two were kind of at the beginning of this whole Russell Westbrook experiment saying, you know, this is not a good fit. You did not like the trade. And I think it's so clear as day that if the Lakers had stood pat and, you know, kept, uh, you know, at the very least, listen, there, there's like other trades they could have made. But even if you wanted to say, like, keep Kyle Kuzma, keep, keep, keep KCP, keep Montrezl Harrell, there's no doubt this team would be in a better position than they are right now. What did you not like about that trade at the time? And what are you seeing play out that really kind of like affirms what you believe that this is not a good fit? Well, the thing I didn't like about the trade the most was Russell Westbrook because he doesn't fit the scheme. He doesn't fit what the Lakers are looking to accomplish. You're asking a guy who's been the alpha or the head guy or the number one guy to play like a number three guy. And that's just not him. No matter how much he may desire it, it's just not him. I mean, a snail is going to slime all day, all day long, every day of the week. You can't tell a snail not to slime. That's what he does. So it's the same thing with Russell Westbrook. You can't tell him to be a three when he's always been accustomed to being a one ever since the days when he was in high school and then going to UCLA. So I thought that the, the trade itself uh, was a huge mistake, like I said. Um, even if you had to get rid of those guys, maybe to get draft picks or maybe do a three-way trade with another team or something to that degree to be able to enhance your team because LeBron is getting older. And as I said before, when LeBron completely breaks down, he's going to break down like we probably haven't seen an athlete since probably Shaquille O'Neal uh, when it comes because he's such a big, you know, guy in stature. He's such a big, you know, physical guy. So that's the part I didn't like about the trade, period. Uh, Nick, I, I don't know if you actually went to the Holiday Bowl or were planning to, but I guess another two-part question here. I mean, it is incredible. Again, we, we've seen the, the impact that COVID is having on the college bowl game season, college sports in general, and all sports. But that was a very unique one in particular where the bowl game gets canceled four hours before kickoff. So you essentially have fans who are driving to tailgate, but players are about to prepare to go to the stadium game gets canceled uh your thoughts on that because again we we know the impact covid is having on sports but that one again four hours before kickoff for one team to pull out north carolina state was obviously upset i think it's ridiculous that they got presented a trophy for a game that did not happen but that's another topic uh your the thoughts on all that nick your thoughts on the um the um holiday bowl here Oh shoot! Do we need Nick? Did we lose you? We may have lost uh, Nick. Uh, Nick, can Hello? you hear us? Yeah. So yeah, I mean, I think what happens. I mean, it's 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 COVID, man. I mean, the thing about it is when you are battling such a, a very bad um, virus that people aren't being able to um, compensate for because it's getting out of hand and it's actually worse because it's more contagious. You're going to find more and more things like this. And I'm glad that the health and safety is actually being more highly regarded than it was before. Um, and you're going to see more and more of these bowl games are going to be able to get canceled, unfortunately, because of the 
Amari Cron variant that continues to be spread throughout not just the college game, but the professional game as well. Yeah, there's no, no doubt about that. And, you know, you're just hopeful that the Rose Bowl happens. The Lowry's Beef Bowl, which was always one of the highlights of the year for everyone out there, uh, those uh, two got canceled. So Utah and Ohio State did not get to enjoy of uh, the beautiful prime rib at the Lowry's Beef Bowl. Uh, Nick, big uh, weekend ahead. Maybe not so much for the Chargers, so maybe let's start there. You know, because the uh, Chargers, if they had just done what they were supposed to do, and they were a two-touchdown favorite going into that game against Houston, you know, they would have been in the driver's seat in terms of getting into the playoffs to lose a game like that against Houston and now really put themselves in a position where they can still make it to the playoffs, but they they, they don't really control their own d- destiny here. Um your thoughts on that loss to Houston, Nick? I mean, that was just a, you hate to say a Charger-like loss, but just a really bad loss there. And uh, your, your, your thoughts on if they can kind of turn it around to make it to the playoffs. Well, you know what? It was definitely a, a shock. It was a shock to them because who would have thought Houston, the Houston Texans of all teams, you would lose to. I mean, you felt it was going to be a pretty winnable game only because despite the COVID situation without not having Austin Eckler out, obviously without Joey Bosa, Derwin James was a scratch because he's been battling that hamstring injury for the last couple of games. But you felt like you had enough momentum, even without Mike Williams as well, that you could be able to beat the Houston Texans. I mean, they look absolutely awful and soggy the entire time uh, this season. And so for them to get actually a 100-yard rusher against this, the Los Angeles Chargers was absolutely insane. Um, this is a team that has not been consistent. This is a team that continues to look to find their way. We thought they found their way uh, earlier in the season when they beat teams like Kansas City, uh, when they beat other teams uh, that they were supposed to beat and we thought they could beat, they actually beat them. Um, but this is a team that continues to struggle. And you can't, and they're not taking any excuses. Brandon Staley says, look, everybody's dealing with COVID, so we can't use COVID as an excuse when we don't have the proper personnel that is needed to be able to compete uh, at, at full strength. But also, too, you know, you got to have a, 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 an upper management to understand to be able to provide the personnel that you need moving forward to be able to win these types of games. Whether it's against a Houston or a Miami or a Jacksonville, you're going to have to have the personnel. And to me, as they continue to grow, I think w- with Justin Herbert, I think the Los Angeles Chargers, will be able to to be successful, but they got to have the proper personnel on the field. If they don't get that, if Tommy T doesn't, you know, mm-hmm. exercise that option to be able to get the proper personnel and be able to pull the trigger on deals like we've seen Les Snead, like we've seen, uh, uh, you know, the general manager, you know, with uh, with the 49ers, how they've been able to, to, to make some moves and, and, and do some things. Um, and, you know, various other uh, franchises that have been able to have general managers that have been able to pull the trigger on deals. They're not going to be su- as successful as they envisioned themselves to be. Um, and so they're playing now for their playoff lives. I mean, they, it is a must win against Denver, who they lost to earlier in the year. And now it's a must win against the La- Las Vegas Raiders, somebody who they dominated on a Monday night football game, despite bad weather at SoFi. Yeah. So this is a must win situation for the Los Angeles Chargers. And if they don't get in, I would not expect that Tommy T would continue to have his key card working at the Chargers facility <laughs> moving forward. Yeah, you know, because they they have their franchise uh, quarterback. I, I think, uh, you know, d- d- despite this kind of a uh, late struggle here, I think that they have their uh, coach of the future. I, I just believe that the players believe in Brandon Staley. So those guys are, are good, obviously, 
Tom Telesco, Tommy T, as you mentioned, yeah, they, they got to find a way to make it into the postseason. And again, I think everybody wants to see Justin Herbert in a playoff game. I mean, that's that's the, the, the hope here, the goal here. On the flip side, um, Nick, the Rams are really hitting their stride at the end of the season. And Cliff Kingsbury, the fact that his team's collapse um, is really coming out. A lot of people have been talking about that story in terms of, you know, you, you go back to his time at Texas Tech, you go back to his time so far with the Cardinals. I mean, great first half of the season, terrible second half of the season. We're seeing that play out with the Cardinals right now, where the Rams at 11 and four are in sole possession of first place in the West. Um, really, obviously, control their own destiny here. If they win these next two games, not only uh, you know win the division, perhaps could get the one or two seed, uh, but it's not going to be a simple uh, two-game stretch here, uh, Nick. They go on the road to Baltimore, 10 a.m. Pacific kick. That's usually a, a tough one for teams out West. And then the last game of the year, and we know the significance here against San Francisco. Again, San Francisco's done, but Kyle Shanahan and the 49ers have won five in a row against Sean McVay and the Rams. They have to turn that script around uh your thoughts on these next two games again the rams in position here if they handle business if they do what they're supposed to do win the division and nick really maybe if they can get a top two seed get some home field too well absolutely again another la team with with two must wins obviously against the baltimore ravens which they have not been successful in uh their their record against the ravens has been two and five up until this point uh so that's going to be a must win but i guess the saving grace is lamar jackson not looking healthy as he normally looked uh we saw a video on uh, wednesday where he kind of he was out there practicing but he didn't look like that wheel was ready to go uh he was kind of limping still a little bit with that ankle injury uh, he didn't look like somebody who could, you know, be able to push off on the ankle 100 percent where he would be able to have the ability to throw off that back foot um, and be able to move around in, the, uh, in and out of the pocket as we've been accustomed to seeing him moving. So that could be an advantage. I know Hundley is back uh, for the Ravens as, a, as their backup quarterback, which more than likely the Rams could face uh, him, which would probably be an advantage. And I know Aaron Donald's probably licking his chops uh, looking at that quarterback matchup. Uh, but when you look at the Ravens, this is a must-win game. And this is, this is this can be a winnable game for the Rams if they don't turn the ball over. We've been talking about Matthew Stafford. We know how good Matthew Stafford is, but he cannot continue to hold on to the ball longer than he's supposed to trying to make that miracle throw. He's got to be able to throw the ball away. If he doesn't see anybody out there, throw the ball away. Get it back on the next down. Run the ball more. Sonny, Sonny Michelle has had a hot hand in the last several games. Make sure you continue to pump the ball through Sonny, Sonny Michelle. Make sure that the O-line is doing what they're supposed to do. They got Joe Noteboom back. Hopefully they get uh, Andrew Whitworth back before the game uh, coming off the COVID list. So that should be a plus as well where they have that O-line back intact. And then also to be able to, to mix it up, throw the ball around, not just aim at Cooper Cup, but aim at OBJ, aim at Van Jefferson. You got Ben Skronik. You have uh, uh, you know Tyler Higbee. You got a lot of weapons out there that you can throw to. Um, and then you also, you know, we'll see what Cam Akers, how much run Cam Akers gets this weekend. Um, so that's going to be a plus. And then the defense has got to definitely make sure they, they, they tighten up. Um, the interior defense, the, 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 the secondary, especially, we know what Jalen Ramsey can do. Uh, but the rest of the guys have got to step up as well. We've seen them accustomed to doing. We know we lost Ernest Jones uh, more than likely for the end of the season. Uh, he's been out. Uh, we don't know. Uh, the status of Dale Henderson, they say three to five weeks. So if the, if the, if the Rams, excuse me, 
uh, end up making the playoffs and having a deep run, maybe he will see Daryl Henderson back maybe second round or so uh, coming back. But and then you talk about the 49ers, which is another tough game at SoFi because, you know, the 49ers are in the heads of the Rams. Yeah. So they've got to win that game as well. Uh, and they got to hope that the Cardinals beat the Cowboys on Sunday to be able to get that two seed if the Rams take care of their business in Baltimore against the Ravens. Uh, Nick, you will be covering the Rose Bowl, the granddaddy of them all. It's always a fun week um, in Los Angeles and Pasadena. You know, the, the teams get to go to the Beef Bowl. They get to do all these fun things around town. That's not the case uh, this year. Uh a, give fans a, a, a sense of what this week is like. Again, you've covered this game for years. Again, no beef bowl. I've heard a lot of the media is uh, uh, not in person. Um, just your, again, your thoughts on the game, but what has this Rose Bowl been week been like? It's been very interesting. Obviously different uh, from the time Monday, obviously, the Disneyland trip. And I thought that was interesting because I actually kept the Disneyland trip, which I thought – if anything, you would cancel. Yeah. You'd probably cancel that because there's so many other people outside of media that were yeah. that were there. Um, but they they went ahead and scheduled. Uh, fortunately, no problems uh, health wise for both teams, which is a good thing. Um, and then, you know, like I said, I was disappointed at the beef bowl because I enjoy eating. <laughs> I, right. I, I know you do too. So that's right. That was, and then you get a chance to kind of mingle with the players too. You yeah. kind of get them kind of relaxed a little bit, kind of get them out of their their you know football environment, kind of get them get them to know their personalities a little bit more. Um, it's not as strenuous as we do with the media days uh, as we've been accustomed to doing. Uh, but one thing about it, I mean, C.J. Stroud, a Southern California kid who returns to Southern California as a member of the Ohio State Buckeyes and a quarterback in that that team, uh, you know, is is focused. He's not phased by the hoopla. He's not phased by, you know, the, the, the fanfare, which is well-deserved. I mean, he earned it. Uh, but he's focused on the game. He's saying, look, man, I've I've never been to a Rose Bowl game, but I've been to the Rose Bowl, at, you know, as a kid watching UCLA play and things like that. Uh, so he's very focused. Utah's the same way. They're focused. They're ready. Kyle Winningham has gotten that team together and ready to go. Uh, so I expect a really good game. Um, the, the good thing is that the Rose Parade is still going on, going forth. Yeah. Uh, and then also the game later on in the afternoon. So I think uh, fortunately everybody's been safe and hopefully continues to be safe. Uh, and so the Rose Bowl can be played on Saturday at 2.10 p.m. Pacific uh, in Pasadena. Uh, Nick, we were both at the last game at Staples Center and uh, the first game at Crypto.com Arena. Again, you know, nothing's changed. Again, the arena is still the same. Um, I have definitely been a part of this, but I definitely got some blowback. People think they're not tearing down the arena. The arena is still in place. And by the way, you know, 99% of the staple center for that last game had been changed in terms of the signage and things like that. Um, you know, uh, the home teams have struggled this season, but I think it's kind of interesting that the Lakers, Clippers, and Kings all lost their first game at Crypto.com Arena. I guess a bow, if we could put a bow around that whole story in terms of last game at Staples, first game at Crypto, your your thoughts on the name change? Are you used to it by now? What uh, what did you think of all the fanfare? Because I, I, at, the, at the very least, I felt happy for the fans. It's not been the greatest season for the for the Lakers, but they got a commemorative T-shirt, a ticket, things like, like, like things like that. 
Yeah, I thought it was much more for the fan base. Yeah. I mean, I think it was much to do about nothing. I mean, it was a name change. A lot of the fans weren't pleased with the name change. They started to get accustomed to it. I know a lot of fans like myself and you are still going to refer to it as Staples Center because that's all we've known it. Yeah. Um, so it's going to take a lot of time uh, to get Staples Center out of our, our brains and get Crypto.com Arena uh, into our programming. But uh, you know, it, it was cool. I thought it was an interesting. Um, I thought it was an interesting situation. You know, I thought it was, uh, hey, it's a new arena, new signage, um, but same old place. You know what I mean? It, it doesn't take away from the nostalgia, uh, from the days of the, the Lakers winning all those championships, uh, the L.A. Kings winning their first two Stanley Cup uh, championships, the Sparks winning three championships, um, you know, and just countless other other moments there at Staples Center that we've all been able to witness um, throughout the years. And so I think nothing changes about that. Um, we'll see what the renovations are going to look like. Um, we'll see how, how much that impacts the, the, the fanfare and, and how the fans will react to the new expansion of, of, of crypto.com arena. And we'll just see what happens, but much to do about nothing, man, to be honest. Yeah, no, I feel you. Uh, Nick, last minute here, our last uh, show with you, at least until uh, 2022. Any predictions for the new year, whether it's a team, a player? What does your maybe one prediction in Los Angeles sports going into 2022? Well, first and foremost, I hope everybody remains healthy, man, and stays healthy. That's my number one uh, prediction above all. I know sports is always a microcosm of life, but listen, we all live in, in, in these human bodies and, you know, I definitely want everybody to be healthy and safer and be more cognizant of people around them uh, dealing with this variant because it's very serious. Uh, but on the sports tip, as I said before the season, I'm going to ride this one on out to the rotors fall off. <laughs> uh, I'm going to say Rams and Chiefs in the Super Bowl. All right. That that would be a fantastic Super Bowl. That was the Super Bowl, Nick, that we were robbed of a few years ago in Atlanta. I think that would have been a fantastic Super Bowl. Instead, we got the dud of the Rams and the Patriots with the Patriots winning. <laughs> Man, I really hope uh, we get Rams and Chiefs. It would be a fantastic Super Bowl at SoFi Stadium. I hope we get it. Uh, but, Nick, thank you so much for being on the show, as you have been throughout this year. We look forward to it in 2022. That's all the time we have for today. Let's do it again tomorrow. Until then, this is Arash Markazi saying stay safe and stay healthy. The Arash Markazi Show on a new generation of radio. The all new and mightier 1090 AM. So many hustle for the cash, so it's hard to knock it. Everybody got their own thing. Come and see Jason Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.